zero. We are proceeding on a NEOD call to um, location 8-14 and we'll report uh, first of all to location 8-8. Please inform the um, duty officer and company commanders. Over. No, that's okay, yeah. Commandant Barry O'Sullivan there of the 44th Battalion in the Lebanon. A routine call for him, I suppose a routine day. He's with Ordnance. Not a routine day with me as I was heading out with Ordnance in the company of Captain Sean O'Mara, Captain John Gahan, Commandant O'Sullivan and Sergeant Billy Barry. We were heading to a 155mm shell unexploded, a savage relic of the Israeli withdrawal or partial withdrawal from southern Lebanon. We were in the Atiri region, the notorious 814 when the call came in. So here we were, quite undemonstrative, seemingly quite relaxed, on our way to bring peace to the peace-loving Lebanese and the peace-loving farm labourers of the area. Well, Donica, we're, we're um, going down here to, to have a look at a, an unexploded bomb. It's... Um reported to be a, a 155mm bomb that's unexploded and um, we'll deal with it later. I see. And uh, in this particular place where we are here, as a matter of interest, as we're walking along, we're in a slightly difficult position, is that right? Oh, it's, we're, we're in a very dangerous position here. We're, um, shots have actually been fired in the area today and um, there's a lot of unexploded cluster bombs in the, in the area too. We're dealing How? with them daily. Barry, how many of the bombs have you dealt with since you came out? Well, my team, my ordnance team and myself, <coughs> we've dealt with about, um, oh, about 35 different items. Most of these being cluster bombs, the odd grenade and um, this bomb that we're going to deal with now, of course. So you're dealing with more than one a day as a matter of fact? Oh, yes, yes. yes, yes. And, Look, uh, we've had a call every day since we've arrived. What sort of uh, armament have they over the hill there? Now, how are we looking down on us? Um, they have a, there's a, a tank, a Sherman tank, with a 105mm gun. They also have mortars, and um, they're fairly well equipped with small arms, armor lights and Kalashnikovs. This is not me to be pessimistic, quite capable of lifting us all out of here, I presume. Oh, yes, Danica, you can be sure of it. Very sure of it. And how did you find out about this bomb today? No. Well, this was reported by the um, by the locals. This lad that we have with us, Ali, found the bomb and he reported it back to the company commander and they reported in turn to the battalion headquarters and it comes then down to the ordnance people. We are, in fact, in the Atiri region here, is that That's right? That's right. This is Atiri, yeah, B Company's area. And the cockmen, I think, all are in the All the cockmen here, yeah. But they don't mind a, an ace man like me. No, I'm sure they don't. Me in for clearance. Donica, I have to get my breath back after that. So After that long walk up in there, nice two of us. Um, it's a 155 HE shell that um, hasn't gone off. It's an unexploded shell, so we'll have to we'll have to um, destroy it. And how do you do that? Ah, uh, we'll we'll put a charge to it and 
Press the button and off she goes. Really should be no problems. How long has that been there, would you say? Well, it's hard to say exactly, but not that long. I mean, it's 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 only a matter of months. Quite fresh looking. Yes, as you can see yourself from it there, yeah. The fuse has been knocked off the top of it there. But um, this is all in a day's work for the the ordnance um, department. Department here. How many fields do you cross in a day? Well, I don't know if I wouldn't like to be crossing too many of the ones we've had to cross now. It's just uphill too much, it's isn't it? Yeah. I think I'm fitter than you are the same. Much fitter, eh? much fitter. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on too many byways. <laughs> this is some highway here, I tell you. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's, our, that's our base up there. That's our it? base there, yeah. yeah. Across the way, there's the other base. That's the lads over there. Ah, they wouldn't. I don't think they'd do anything to fellas like you and I, don't I? We're, we're too valuable. We're, <laughs> <laughs> Barry O'Sullivan and Sean O'Mara have gone to reconnoitre and to look for a place where we may lay down with ease when this bomb goes off. And John Gahan and myself are here and the driver has left where we left the, uh, the jeep and he's driving up the road, he's going left, he's heading towards a terry and a terry is up there on the skyline which is now the almost twilight skyline. It's a fine evening, the sun has gone behind the clouds and the UN flag um, is flying over the building. I'm facing down here towards the... Israel side and over there I can see the uh, Christian uh, emplacements. There's a small breeze as you can probably hear on the microphone blowing and uh, it's a rocky sort of place. There's a wood behind us and as you heard from our gasps we climbed a steepish hill rocky hill to come here. The um, jeep with the driver is heading down the road now and he'll be parking uh, something uh, quite near us, facing us and if I sound a little bit incoherent it is perhaps because uh, I feel a little bit incoherent because there's a very strange, restless quiet about the place. It's a curious feeling to think that uh, over there someone might be sitting behind the gun or sitting behind something who could control where you might be for the rest of eternity. And it's also strange to stand by a bomb for the very first time. I think it's, it's interesting and heartwarming to find that Irish soldiers are here defusing a situation and trying to bring peace. <laughs> Brought back some explosives, plastic explosive and um, <coughs> primers and detonators and that, and we'll um, lace it to the unexploded bomb and, 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 and blow it. Retreating to a suitable distance. You can be sure of that. <laughs> Sergeant Barry, what are you doing there exactly now? I'm getting the D-tin cable ready to connect it onto the electric detonators so that he can blow up the unexploded bomb. Have you worked in this kind of operation before? Oh yes, I've done a lot of it since I came out here anyway, but I had a small bit of experience at home. You're also fairly red in the face. You had well, a nice little trip, hadn't you? I had a bit of a cross-country trip there to, to get you? this stuff over. We can't bring the Land Rover on these places. You drove without incident, did you? Oh, I drove without incident. So here you are now. Back safe so far. Do you find the job interesting out here? Ah, yes, it's interesting. We're kept going. That's the main thing. I think if you hadn't enough to do out here, it would become very boring and you'd probably start thinking of home and get homesick. Where, where are you from at home? Uh, Morn Abbey, Mallow, County Park. You're one of our own then? Oh, one of your own, yes. That's very, what's your first name, by the way? Uh, Billy. Right, Billy. Where did you join the army? Uh, I joined in the army, Painter School in Ace, 
and I stayed there for three years. Then went down to Clancy Barracks in Dublin for a year, then back down to Cork, and then there since. And here you are to make a fortune now in the yeah, Lebanon. Here to make a fortune. Like myself. Where's the rest of the primers there? What, what is that you have there? Now you've this is the primer now. Putting the primer into yeah. the nose of the bomb, is that right? Barry, that looks like dough. What is it? No, it's this is um, a plastic explosive. And you're, you're, uh, you're strapping it around the, around the actual the, bomb. Around the bomb here now. How much of it would you need for the bomb there? Ah, we just three or four pounds. Uh, uh, I think that's enough, man. You know, he's strapping the last of it onto it now. And the whole nose cone of the um, bomb is covered. What are you doing there now, Sergeant? I'm rectifying a primer. What is rectifying? It means just enlarging the hole so that the electric detonator can fit into it. Barry, where, where are we going now before you complete your operation here? Yes, well now I'm ready to... to, to um, to um, get up, as we call it, and that, and I want you all to, to, to move down in this direction here. Down the hill? Down the hill and that, and we'll find a, a safe location about 250 yards from here. So that's everybody down, right? Ali included. By the way, the Ali in question is the little lad from the village of Atiri, who is by now an expert in finding bombs and leading the UN to bombs. So Barry O'Sullivan sent us, Captain John Gahan, Captain Sean O'Mara, Sergeant Billy Barry and myself, down to safety. He himself had the final part of the operation, the final part which would ensure that that bomb would go where it was intended to go. As we went down the hill, the sergeant strung out the cable, way down, 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 250 yards to a stone wall. Then we sat under the stone wall, tucked in our heads as advised, and waited. Firing now. That's a fair box. Well, now, Ali, that, that bomb is made safe, right? Made safe? Made safe. Yeah, finish, bomb finish. Finish. Finish, yes, yeah. Finish. Very good, yeah. No, yes, very good. no more very danger. Good. No more danger. No. Fine, yeah. Uh, uh, Erlande, very good. Colonel Vincent Savino, you're the officer commanding the 44th Battalion here in Lebanon at the moment. What is your mandate? What's your reason for being here? Well, our, our mission is threefold, and uh, part one of it is to confirm the withdrawal of Israeli forces from the area. The second part of it is to restore international peace and security to the area. And the third part of it is to assist the government of the Lebanon to restore its effective authority in the area. And they're, they're the three parts of our mission here. Could I take you perhaps through the three yes. parts? 
the first one, Israeli withdrawal? Well, to confirm the Israeli withdrawal, as everybody knows, that, that has not been accomplished and we were never able to accomplish this. So we have uh, effectively been unable to do this part of our mission and uh, th this was the situation long before the 44th Battalion arrived here in the area. And the second The one? second part to restore the national peace and security. Well, this, this is really the part of our mission that we're concentrating on. Uh, we have been doing this through um, our own modus operandi in the area where we've uh, tried to uh, stop the movement of, of uh, armed people through the area. We've uh, set up checkpoints and observation posts, listening posts right through the area. We stop and search all people coming through, all vehicles. Uh, if we come across armed people, we detain them and uh, make sure they leave the area. So we've been doing our best to do this sort of thing, and I think we've very effectively done it so far. I've seen another aspect of this I think is very interesting. It's the humanitarian side. This town of Tibnin, I gather it was very sparsely populated when you well, came so in. Well, so they tell me that when the 43rd Battalion originally the Irish troops came here, there were very few people in the area. Now we're led to believe that there are over 4,000 people living in this little village. And uh, as you can see from going, if you've seen, I'm sure, from going around, uh, uh, commerce has returned. You, you see the, the tobacco, um, car, the cars full of tobacco going through as they, it's being marketed. You've seen the fields being ploughed all over the place, donkeys, cattle, horses all being used to plough the area. Uh, you've seen the crops go in, and you've also seen the rain come down now. And I've also <laughs> seen the Mingi gentlemen <laughs> yes. sell all their right. products. Yes. Now, your last aspect of the mandate. Huh? To assist the government of Lebanon in, to restore its effective authority in the area. Well, this is a rather difficult one. There are so many factions and uh, different uh, parties in this area. Uh, uh, it's very difficult, but uh, you have also seen the police in action here, which is... Uh, we have 16 Lebanese policemen on our ration strength, would you believe? And you've seen them at our checkpoints assisting the troops uh, in all our searches, as we do at home, in fact. We try and, and bring the police with us and uh, have them on hand to deal with the, the, the locals and any problem that we have. The battalion is out roughly a month now, am I right? Just the advance part, the first part of the battalion is out one month today, in fact. What phase of your development have you reached now with the troops? Well, the um, big problem has been what we call winterisation. In other words, as the weather here has deteriorated very badly in the last two weeks. And uh, we've had rain, wind, high winds, uh, tremendous problems with our transport trying to move supplies from place to place and to keep the troops in the outposts supplied with the necessities, with food and water. Um, we've had to uh, try and get the troops into some sort of accommodation. Here in the town of Tibnin, we've uh, taken over, as you know, the local hospital here, which is a disused hospital. We've taken over the bombed-out school, we've repaired it, and we've tried to move the troops into these areas. Out in the outposts, where things are a lot more difficult, uh, we've winterised as best we can. We've put floors into tents, we've uh, tried to divert floodwaters, we've sandbagged uh, positions, we've uh, tried to bring heaters into all the tents so that the men will be warm at least in the evening when they get in there. So all these things have been very important and have been taking most of our time. You do too provide medical assistance, don't you, to the people? Oh, I must say, I, I am 
absolutely delighted with the work that the, the medics have been doing here. We've met uh, all over the area. We've got uh, medical orderlies working in the positions and they're in the front line of our public relations effort, I must say. They've been treating the local people, treating the children especially for all their little ailments and they're doing a tremendous job. Talking of public relations, I think it's interesting that, you know, in talking to people around the villages, the 43rd left a great impression after them. I gather they also left $1,000 for charity after them. Yes, this, this was a, a very decent thing the 43rd done, had to have done. Um, they, um, in fact, had one day's pay, as far as I remember coming to them, which they were not able to collect because, uh, uh, because they went home. So they arranged that this money would be um, collected and lodged to a local orphanage here. And uh, this, this is putting it up to the 44th Battalion, of course. But now, yes, the 44th, I've noticed them travelling around with them for the last few days, the last week. They're greeted by the children everywhere and by the people everywhere. It's interesting to find an army. You always think of armies as attacking or yeah. occupying or firing yes. in a peacekeeping role. Are yeah. Irish soldiers good at this? The very best. There's no doubt about it. The very best. Uh, Irish soldiers have, have a gift of identifying with, with the uh, local people. Um, we do this in a lot of ways. Uh, they, they, they're very good at learning the little words, the hellos and goodbyes and, and so on, the little bit of Arabic. And uh, they're teaching all the kids um, a certain amount of English and a certain type of English too, I think. And by the way, a certain words in Irish. Yes, sir, and the odd word of Irish too. Very good. Is this, is this your biggest sort of role up to now? Is it your most responsible role up to now as an army officer? Um, this is my fourth UN mission. Um, I would say it is, of course, the most responsible because I'm a battalion commander. Uh, I'd also say it's the most difficult very much the most difficult because um, we have no lines drawn here at all. We, uh, we're in a very difficult area of the world with so many, so many factions. Uh, we, can't, we find it very difficult to identify them, uh, to identify their aims and, to try, and uh, to try and sort out the problems. Do you get to meet the leaders of these factions? Yes, we, we, we have arranged meetings at uh, the highest possible level with, with all the, uh, the people concerned in the area, with uh, the de facto forces with the Israeli army, with the uh, Palestine Libera Liberation Organization, all these people, we've spoken to them all, we've tried to see their problems and we've tried to work out, uh, make a working arrangement with them. How is the trip affecting you? Are per you enjoying it, apart from the responsibility and the problems? Personally, uh, I find it a great challenge, I must say. I'm enjoying it. Uh, because I'm, I'm exceptionally busy all the time. Um, negotiations go on all day, every day, at all levels, uh, with the civilian people, with the Mukhtars, the sheikhs, the mayors, the uh, police, the military leaders, and so on, all day, every day. So it's uh, very taxing, but very enjoyable. I suppose you are, in a sense, here in charge of... Um, a battalion in, in the area, the biggest and most confused hodgepodge that has been seen for a long time, militarily in the civil way. Do you have any objective before you say, you might say to yourself, at the end of our time it will be thus or thus? At the end of my time here, I hope to bring back every soldier that I brought out safe and sound. And that's my first objective. And secondly, I try, would like to think that we have contributed a little to the peace and that we have made the local people here particularly a little happier and a little more secure in, in their day-to-day -day life.
Lieutenant Colonel Vincent Savino, OC of the 44th. Now we change scene. We travel out to the mountainous territory, out to B Company, the Dubs. All the time they talk about OP. These are observation posts, and these are out in the buffer zone, the no-man's land, out there where the de facto forces roam and where the Israeli border beams on them. Colonel Savino very sensibly decreed that I could not go out into de facto areas, but of course, as always, we had the miracle of radio. As always, we could talk to the men who were cut off Cut off, but happy and brave and proud of their assignment. Uh, RT are taking over. Over. No, one, you, one, okay. When you're talking, you just press that in and talk away. When you want him to talk, let it out. Hello, Captain Pat Herbert. This is Donna Cordoling of RT. I'm here in Chagra Camp, and I'm talking to you. I gather you're a fair distance away from me. Over. Hello, Donna. I am stationed out here in Mahibeb camp, out in South Lebanon. Um, Captain Pat Herbert is my name. I would like to send greetings home to my wife, Marjorie Herbert, who is living in Nace, County Kildare, to her family, the Malones, and to my family, the Herberts, down in Limerick. Hello, Pat. Uh, I know the Herberts fairly well. They're Herberts and Charleville who are relations of yours. And, of course, I, I know your uncles and your father very well. I had them in a programme about a hand last year. What's the terrain like where you are there? Over. The terrain here at Dunica is very sparse, desolate. Uh, we are up at 2,000 feet, uh, living under canvas. Conditions at the moment, because of the torrential rain, are very, very bad. But needless to say, the spirit is still very, very high amongst the troops up here. Now, how many of you are out there, and uh, what of the other forces are around you? Are they near you? Over. Well, we are situated outside the UN zone. We're out in the Christian area, and we have um, four different OPs, as we call them, out in this particular area. Here in the camp where I am based in Mahibeb, we have only 16 stationed out in the other OPs. We have eight to nine in each of them. Pat, would you like, if you don't mind, to mention the names, if you can think of the other people out there? Over. If you like, uh, Donica, I can hand you over to some of the individuals that I have stationed here with me in Mahibeb. Right, Pat, you can do that. Over then, straight away. Hello, Dunica. This is Sergeant Patrick Crane here, over. And, uh, Patrick, um, where do you come from, over? I'm a Trillie man, County Kerry. <laughs> and I'm based in Dublin and I live in Arbor Hill, over. Well, you know, you're the first Kerry man I met. Do you ever hear the story of the Kerry man who put his false teeth in backwards and bit himself in the mouth, over? <laughs> I've heard it about a hundred times. <laughs> Every Dublin man has told me that. But at least we got him back in the end. Over. Now, I'd like you at this stage to greet your people at home if you'd like to. Over. Uh, I send greetings to my wife, Josephine, and my son, Brian, who live in Arbor Hill, and to my family, the Queens, who live in Turnerville, Tralee, and her family, the Cassans, who live in 
Charles Park and Tralee as well. I wish them all a very happy Christmas and a very happy New Year. Over. Okay. This is uh, Private John Lennon from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. I'd like to send greetings to my wife and family. My wife's name Caroline, my son Shane, and my daughter Stacey and Shauna. My mother and father, Mr. and Mrs. Glenn, in Dublin, Ross Road. Hello, John. This is Donica here. I gather you're the cook out there. What have you got on for lunch today? Over. Very still. Keep the lads going. You're a very short man. The words, I hope the food goes a bit longer than the words. What's your own favourite dish? Over. Steak, onions and chips. (laughs) (laughs) And you couldn't do much better than that. Can you put me back on to Captain Herbert now, please? Thanks very much. Over. Hello, Donica. Pat Herbert on here again. Hello, Pat. Tell me, how long will you be there at this stint, and how do you put down the time while you're there? People at home would like to know this. Over. Well, Danica, we'll be here in South Lebanon until next May or June, and we are kept very active at the moment. Our reveille every morning, usually between half six and seven o'clock. We're kept going all day, uh, patrolling, trying to get our other areas fed. Our cook here doing an excellent job. And we we'll kept going until about 7 o'clock at night. Recreation then is the problem, of course. At this time of the year, it has to be all indoors. It's mostly cards, darts, drafts, you name it. Every indoor game you can think of, it's played here by the men under canvas. Over. Hello, Pat. I'm surprised you left out one very important game, the game of hurling, which I might meet you at the Munster final when Cork will beat Limerick next year anyway. <laughs> over, over. Hope springs eternal in the Limerick breast, even out there in no man's land. By the way, for those interested, I met Pat Herbert two days later. He was in for Vittles and looking alive and well. And obviously, if that cook is short of conversation, he's certainly not short of food. As you heard Colonel Savino say, there are none of the combatants allowed to pass through UN areas carrying arms, small, large or middling. Indeed, the Irish roadblocks and their efficiency impressed me while I was out there. Let's go now to a roadblock of the Irish Army. Have you got a passport? What is your name? What is your name? Ali, Ali. Ali Shahab. You are Ali Shahab. Okay. Thank you. Could you open the boat, please? Yeah. You get them to open the boot, do you? You yeah. do? Yeah. yeah. Take the number two at the at the start and then check if they've got the passport. No shortage of tyres around here anyway, obviously. No, no. Huh? Okay, thank you very much, Annie. Hello? Hello. Where are you coming from? Uh Sur. Sure, and where are you going Sur to? Barashid. Barashid. Have you yes. got a passport, please? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Shagra. So could you open the bowl, please? Huh? Could you open the bowl? Yeah. 31599.
And so he went away, his chickens and ducks squawking in his number written down in the sergeant's notebook. One of the most enchanting aspects of the few days, I think, in Lebanon were the children. The Irish troops and the children out there had a particular warm uh, relationship, and these people from around Barashit were no exception. In fact, there were a dozen of them followed me and were photographed. And I've had for several years now a rather nice little badge I got in America with Ireland and the States, and now it's being worn by an Arab child in Barashit with great pride. Of course they addressed me, and of course they knew my rank. Hello, Commander. Hello, Captain. Hello, Captain. Hello, Commander. Hello, Captain. Hello, Captain. Very good. Thank Irlanda. you very much. Shukran. Irlanda, very good. Very good, Irlanda. Irlanda, very good. Um, uh, sure, Captain, very good. Irlanda, very good. Yes. Captain, very good. Commander, very good. Oh, uh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Barashit, very good. Yes, Barashit, very good. Oh, football, very good. At least we were all agreed on that point. Irlanda, very good. Barashit, very good. Everyone, very good. I talked earlier there to the colonel about the Mingi men. The Mingi men are almost a myth with the Irish in Lebanon. In fact, the word Mingi, I think, they brought originally from the Congo. I'm not sure the meaning, but the Mingi man is the man who comes along and sets up shop by the side of the road near a camp. Now, there are no planning permissions needed, so every sort of debris is raised and it houses watches, suitcases, scarves, you name it, clocks that go as long as you run with them, and, of course, the ubiquitous mingi men themselves. They're always selling something. This $25, this $20, this $18. Is that a good bargain? It's very good, yes. My ladder. Good deal. My ladder, yes. What is your name? Abu Khalil. And uh, what else have you for sale now? What else have you? This... uh, Watches, Watches? lighters, mats, uh, uh, radio cassette, cassette. What price radio cassette? Radio cassette, big, small. uh, I look, uh, please, I look. Do the the soldiers buy from you, yeah? All my friends, yes. All your friends? friends, yes. Did you sell anything today now to them? Uh, Every day you come back here, house, Orlando, Chagra, Barashid, house here. Uh, I come back every day. My friends, all very good. Did this man do a deal with you a while ago? Yeah. Did you deal with him? I did, yeah. What was, what was he selling you? A pair of boots. I was giving him a pair of boots for the case. Oh, you were giving him a pair of boots for the case? Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> good boots? Yes, very good. Good, ca- good case? Yes, very yeah, good. Yeah, very yes. good case. What's your name? Hefliarty. Where are you from, Pat? Goala. Do you think you might make money if you stayed out here? I don't know about that. What? I don't know about that. What's the best bargain he has, lads? Do you know? This is all fella Orlando. Very good. Not a glifty, very, very nice. nice. Give me money, cash all. Cash plenty. Cash plenty? Yes. Not uh, not, uh, Bogdan, no. Same captain. All fella, very good, yes. I see, I see. You like to get cash? Yes, all cash. Not check? No check, no. That's a minky man, I would say, speaking with the voice of experience. We return now to the command base, the hospital at Tibnin Town. And all through this programme we have stressed the two aspects of the United Nations force out there, the peacekeeping and the humanitarian. And certainly the Irish Army deserves credit for its medical team, dental and medical. Commandant Morris Collins is the officer in charge and he was very pleased to talk to us. We've set up a new battalion sick bay here in the last few days and it's settling down very well. We have a normal holding facility for six patients. 
thanks be to God our battalion health is extremely good so far and we're hoping it will continue that way. Uh, apart from that we supply an emergency medical service to the local population and um, they seem to appreciate it very much. I think apart from the great medical and humanitarian value of, of what we're doing, it's also a great public relations exercise for the battalion and for the United Nations. Morris, what are the main complaints that the men might suffer from out here? In the early stages our main problem were colds and flus and things like that. We expected that because they were getting used to one, living in tents, and two, uh, coming into the winter season. Fortunately it hasn't been too bad and it seems to have settled down very well. The problems we're seeing now are relatively minor, the autumn upset and that sort of thing. We're very pleased with them. It's obviously very important to you as a doctor and to the UN too that uh, the local people should be involved in, in your medical, in medical supplies and medical help. Well, our primary role is, is care of the battalion. Um, after that, we have a requirement to supply emergency medical services insofar as we can. Our medical supplies are far the battalion and therefore very limited, but uh, UNICEF are working on the problem and we're hoping to get in some drug supplies within the next week from UNICEF. What sort of hospital is this here in Tivoli? Um, <clears throat> it's largely a non-functional hospital. It was formerly a hospital, it's been non-functional. Uh, we've taken over these few rooms now as our uh, accommodation for our battalion and uh, our, our medical platoon, its administration and the beds that we have for the lads. You also have medics outside with the companies, have you? We have. We have a total of 22 uh, medics with us, one dentist, two medical officers and um, 19 lads. Nine of them are out with the three companies. Uh, the rest are in here at the moment helping us to run this mini-hospital. Do you find it a very interesting function? It's extremely interesting. Uh, it's working in the field, which is new to us. Uh, it's forcing us to develop our clinical self-confidence because we have to work without uh, great backup services. Although if we hit anything serious, we have a very, very good medevac service. We're 10 minutes from the field hospital by helicopter. So that certainly we have no concerns if, if we hit a serious medical problem or serious injuries that we know we can have a fellow in hospital within 10, 15 minutes. But for the day-to-day -day routine things, you don't have the backup of a laboratory or x-ray facilities and uh, you have to learn to be confident as a doctor. So in this instance here it's feelings people are more concerned with. Uh, those who are in positions such as teachers and policemen uh, and who have uh, had some contact with perhaps French-speaking schools. How do you find the standard of teeth around here? Well, the teeth are better, they take good care of them, but unfortunately, by the time they come for attention, they are uh, very borderline cases, which makes life a little awkward. August cut for the lads on Matellan, could have started a few o'clock or shoot? Well, for Ryan Tawakako, Pater Oil, on my lads, some of my honey shouldn't show. In the years, she to the stacks of my do you in fact see many civilians here? Uh, as many as one can fit into a day for the present at any rate. This you would see as an important part of your function here? Well, it is, I find it enjoyable. I think it's part of the UN to try and normalise life as much as possible. And uh, if the people derive some little advantage, well, 
uh, they derive many disadvantages from the present situation in the country. Well, <laughs> Now, Captain uh, Dr. John Moriarty, you've just come back in the UN ambulance. Where have you been this morning? Uh, this morning, I was out in a little village out there, about 20 kilometres, called Tulin. We were out there seeing three native people, three native Lebanese, who were hurt in an accident there three days ago. They were going to a festival, and their lorry um, overturned. You can see I'm winded. And um, another interesting thing we were doing out there, uh, there was this young boy who had a deformed foot since birth. Um, we are trying to arrange that he be brought to the American hospital in Beirut where they will do a job net and hopefully he will be walking with some normality again after it. How do the Lebanese people react to your visits like this? Um, they react very, very favourably and um, they make us very, very welcome and we do as much as we can with our limited resources for them. And we have the assistance of an interpreter, which makes the job much much easier. Now, this little boy with the with the and twisted foot, do you think much can be done for him? Um, it's we, hopefully at the moment now he's walking with the top part of his foot. So hopefully at least they'll be able to straighten it out and make it return to some normality. It's very hard to say without the tests done and the X-rays. Is, it? is the Lebanese attitude towards illness any different from our own? They, I would say, accept illness more than we might at home. I mean, especially since uh, they have hard times here, their tolerance of hardship is much higher than I would say at home. But they're basically a very, very cheerful people. Are you enjoying your visit out here? Indeed I am. In fact, it's much, much more enjoyable than... To finish, we'll move in out of the breeze here, John, while we're talking. Do you, what time do you start in the mornings here? Well, we start then at any time from about 8 o'clock where we see um, our own lads who will be going sick and then we see after that our own lads get first preference. We move over and see the Lebanese people and then we go out in rounds out of the outside villages to see them as well. Niall, we're here in the Tibmin Hotel, as you said, you're just having a wash at the moment. This is where the Mingi shop is. It's been oh, this is me. the Mingi shop of the 44th Infantry Battalion. What do you have as Mingis? Oh, we sell, well, we have to keep the lads happy with beer and spirits, cigarettes. We sell uh, cameras, radios, uh, Damascus tablecloths, watches. Oh, we stock anything, we sell anything. You Everything. Think it might be worth my while to go in to buy a Damascus tablecloth, maybe. Oh, certainly. Very good value for you, Irish. <laughs> and who have you inside the counter? I have uh, Quartermaster Peter Oregon, who's from the Curra, and I have uh, Private Kane, who's a storm and driver. I suppose they'll all get big sales jobs when they go back. Oh, well, they're selling very cheap. Not making much profit. Good deal for you, Irish. Oh, good special deal for you, Irish.
Peter Oligan, well, of course, I heard that you're the latest salesman west of Tibnin, and we're here inside in the, uh, in the Mingus shop. Now, I want to look at the Damask table cards. What would you say, what would you say about them? Um, well, first of all, they're, it's handmade uh, material um, with various different sizes. Um, they're very cheap. Uh, £12 sterling for the large one which fits on a table that can seat up to 12 people. Um, now, um, if I come along to you as I'm going to say, and um, I give you a dollars, can you give me change in dollars? Oh yes, I can. Um, you can have your change in Lebanese or in sterling. Uh, Lebanese money will give you three Lebanese pounds to a dollar. Or, if you like, we'll give you um, two dollars to the pound sterling. You get a tremendous... Variety of currency into, I suppose, do you? Well, we deal with um, Lebanese money, Israeli, uh, pound sterlings, Irish money, in fact, as well. And um, well, we try to help out everyone. Right, so then I'll take the, uh, the particular green one and you can wrap it for me. And it will last forever, I suppose, you'd say. <laughs> well, guaranteed from us, yes. Well, there's a deal going on in the background there with John Colley, whom I met earlier. And I have with me now Mingi number two and the driver. What's your name? Uh, Leo Cain. And where are you from, Leo? Kildare. Yeah. Now, Leo, would you like to greet uh, some people for Christmas? Yes, I'd like to say hello to my wife, Antoinette, and my two kids, Liam and Jason, and also all my family, um, and all my wife's family. I wish them all a very happy Christmas. Uh, this one is $30, we'll take $3 off it, and uh, we'll give it to you for $27, okay? Which eagle to ask? Uh, in Sterling. Uh, in Sterling. We'll give it to you for 20, what do we say now? Very cheap for you, Irish. Um, <laughs> 13 quid? 13, 13 pounds, yes. 13 pounds, 50. It's very cheap, OK. OK. The Chief Mingian, Tibnin, Captain Niall Daly. One day spent with the 44th, some aspects, not every aspect, of their life in South Lebanon. We wish them well.